The Toby Gribbon Show. Highlights. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Michael Ruggiero spent 35 years in law enforcement with 25 of those years investigating major cases such as narcotics, sex crimes and homicides. In addition to his extensive career in law enforcement, he's also an experienced trainer and instructor and he's recently released his book Uncover the Truth, Unlocking the Skills of Body Language and Statement Analysis. And Mike joins us now. How are you today? I'm very good. Thanks, Toby. What was it that inspired you to write a book, which I take it is inspired by your long career? Yes. And these were hobbies of mine for the last 20 years. It just so happened that I could use them in my career, uh, studying uh, body language and statement analysis. And uh, I was, I read a, a lot of books on body language and statement analysis. And my wife had always been after me to write a book. And I I finally said at the end of my career, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and do it. Uh, I read the books and it kind of just left me feeling like I could add something to uh, that field, to the content. And sometimes I felt as though the books made things a little overcomplicated for the layman. So I wrote my book with the intent of sort of trying to reach the layman. How did you find actually writing a book in the end? Because it sounds, as somebody like myself who's never actually written a book, it sounds like a very daunting task. Well, and I understand completely how it can be. But for me personally, um, I've done training. I have a class called Detecting Deception that I've been doing for over the last uh, 10 years or so. Uh, that covers the three ways that people can be deceptive. Uh, And that is they either have to write something, they have to say something, or there has to be body language accompanying. So um, the the detecting deception class is on the three. Now for my book, I just cover the two, which is body language and statement analysis. So I really just kind of patterned the book after my class. And sort of like I was teaching a class, I just did it in in written form. So what are your tips to kind of spot a liar and spot somebody that's being deceptive? (laughs) Well, well, that's what everybody wants to know. And and I always tell people the the first thing that you have to do is you have to look at the context. You have to look at the context, particularly when you're looking at body language, uh, the context of the body language. And um, it's called detecting deception or uncovering the truth for a reason. And that reason, of course, is there has to be usually an issue that you're trying to determine. There's something at stake. You see, what what happens is uh, there has to be jeopardy involved because jeopardy creates 
creates the stress and the stress creates uh, the change in the with the body language uh, and or the statement analysis, the words that people use. There's always that thing of people say, when you're lying, you look to the right. And when you're telling the truth, you look to the left. Is that actually true? Or did somebody just make that up for a joke? No, it's it's there is some uh, scientific um, studies behind that. Paul Ekman. I don't know if you're familiar with Paul Ekman, uh, but Paul Ekman is kind of known as the father of micro expressions. And he studied a lot of uh, micro expressions and, and uh, eye movement. And uh, that's what he found. Now, what I always tell my students, because I cover that in my class, and I think I, I covered it in the book as well. What I always tell the student is it's very important to try to norm somebody, which means see what this person does under normal circumstances. And then when they're answering the, as you will, the hot question, does it change? Do we have now a change in behavior? Because that's where you want to always throw the red, put the red flag down is if you have that change in behavior. So I don't try to put everybody into the same category. Uh, I always say, be careful with that. I'm going to tell you what it is, what they say, right? Those PhDs like Paul Ekman, I'm going to tell you what they say, but you always want to see if you can norm the person. Uh, but this is what they'll say. That if someone is being creative, they're going to look up into the, to their, uh, to their right. Now that's if they're right-handed, <laughs> If they're left-handed, <laughs> you'd have to you'd have to flip it. Oh, well, that's where it gets confusing. <laughs> so it gets a little complicated. You'd have to watch them right first, <laughs> or you see what hand they use, or what hand their watch is on, or something like that. It's a tip that like most people know about that thing. So, do you think when people lie, they'll deliberately look the other way and actually think about what their eyes are doing? Well, I don't think that I don't think that they're going to know to 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 move their eyes in a certain way. But what people will do is they'll look right at you when being deceptive because people yeah. know that when you look away that people are going to think that you're being deceptive. So when people are being deceptive, they'll look right at the person. And the the, the fact of the matter is very experienced people are um, are fooled by that one deception yeah. by somebody that looks right at them when being deceptive. So how have the skills of body language and statement analysis helped you in your own career as a detective and supervisor in homicide and other major cases? I always say, and I teach interview and interrogation as well. And uh, there's always a there's always a kind of feeling that my detecting deception class is kind of interview and interrogation, and it's not interview and interrogation. Uh, they really the, the skills of detecting deception kind of put you on another level yeah. because the fact of the matter is, if you don't know whether somebody's being deceptive or not, you're just on a fishing expedition. <laughs> <laughs> so when you when you have inside knowledge, when you have the knowledge of, of knowing whether people are being truthful or being deceptive, you'll know if you're on the right track, and that puts you at another level. So it helped me tremendously as a detective. And I was not not only able to, to solve more of my own cases and get more confessions, but help other um, officers. And that's why I do the training, because if I can make them just a little bit better, uh, there's a lot of satisfaction in that. So was it quite common for people to have your skills in the force, in the industry, or you know, was you helping other officers a thing you had to do quite often? No, honestly, uh, you you would think that a lot of them would have these skills, but the fact of the matter is, very few of them do. Uh, they don't have these skills. They don't. They they may have heard about them, but there's very little training available on body language and statement analysis, and literally none on handwriting. Uh, and the reason why I looked at handwriting is because we take a lot of written statements in law enforcement, and yeah. I'm not just talking about my department, but departments across the country. And so you're looking at handwriting on a regular, daily basis. 
basis. And But no, there's not a lot of law enforcement officers that really um, are aware of these skills or have any knowledge of them or, or utilize them. And in fact, in a study that was done by the by the FBI, uh, I think it was 2018, it was found that only 16% of, of homicide, of homicide squads use statement analysis. And that's a very, very low percentage. But of those departments, those departments had a, over a 5% higher clearance rate than departments that didn't use statement analysis. And that's when that was the only factor that was utilized. And that's that's a big number. 5% more clearances in homicides is a lot of a lot more clearances. <laughs> Do you think that these skills of being able to spot a liar can be applied to life in general, not just in law enforcement? Oh, sure. Uh, and and that's one of the reasons why I wrote my book. I mean, because yeah. uh, mostly in my classes, I get law enforcement and that's fine. Um, and I certainly enjoy teaching them. But security professionals uh, can use it. Um, HR people, pre-employments, Oh yeah. Um, of course, there's a use for it there. Uh, attorneys, uh, HR people, teachers, school administrators, anywhere where you're in a job or a profession where you need to find the truth or you're doing an investigation, these skills are very, very valuable. Um, and for just laymen, uh, if I can, I'll, I'll give you a quick, quick story. My daughter and my wife are watching this this TV show, and I don't want to name the name of it. Um, you know, I don't want to get in trouble here or anything. But um, <laughs> one of the contestants in the show has to be deceptive, so they have to fabricate a story. And the other two contestants had the actual, you know, actual event happen to them that that, that they're that they're relaying. Oh. So they asked me to look at it. They said, "You got to look at this, Dad. You got to look at this." Three three separate interviews, and of course, I was able to pick the one that was being deceptive. But people watch those shows all the time. They watch these shows. They watch shows like, you know, uh, on, on murders. There's a lot of shows on, on uh, murders, on actual murders. In fact, I commented on the uh, the Alex Murtaugh trial that's going on right now in the United States here. I don't know if you heard about it, but he's a high-powered attorney from South Carolina that's on trial for a double homicide, uh, the homicide of his wife and his son. And I commented because he took the stand and I commented on. And of course, there's body worn camera footage also of the initial response of law enforcement. So I commented on uh, his actions and his verbal responses. And there was definitely signs of deception. Yeah. So there, there's there's a lot of people that, that love to to you know follow the trials or, or watch the cases. You don't have to be law enforcement. My daughter's 19 and she she does it all the time. Yeah. Now here's the thing: if you watch yes. a murder mystery show on the TV, yes, would you be yes. able to work out who the murderer is based on signs of deception? Because if you are, that's pretty good acting, right? <laughs> well, and that actors use those. They they do those things because they're trying to convey those those uh, emotions, those feelings, and so they'll use those gestures. However, I really focus on the the real the real life crime stories, yeah. the actual people that were involved, rather than the actors. Although I do enjoy certainly you know a lot of movie mysteries and things like that, television and movies. But I'll watch a lot of the uh, shows that show the actual people that are involved, the actual witnesses, um, the victim or the suspects being interrogated. I can't tell you how many interrogations I've watched on these types of shows where the person being interrogated there it is. There's the sign. Um, it's something he said or something he did with his body. And I use them in my class. I have I have a ton of clips that I show. And uh, the problem isn't getting clips. It's not getting material. The problem is I don't have time to show them all. Yeah. And 
I, I don't I don't expect the detective to look up at the camera and say, well, did you see what they just, you know, did or said? <laughs> yeah. But I, I can only assume by the rest of the interview, they missed it. So what would your tips be for people who are looking to conduct more effective interrogations if they work in that industry or just job interviews or even like myself, maybe interviewing people in an informative way? Right. Well, uh, that's why I wrote the book Uncover the Truth. And um, I think that I, I try to make it interesting. I, I use real life examples. I, I don't I don't have to you don't have to make up something. I can use real life examples because you see this stuff all of the time. So I use a bunch of real life examples from not just my own cases, but cases that caught the you know national attention. And so I'll use a bunch of examples from those types of cases uh, to relate to people because then it helps them remember um, those things. And uh, yeah, so that's what I would suggest to people is, uh, you know, look at the book and read the book. And, and that's why I wrote it. I wrote it in lessons uh, that they, they can uh, sort of go through for body language and then statement analysis. What's the difference? Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com acast, and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com acast. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Because body language seems quite easy, you know, if somebody's shaking or whatever, or their eyes and everything, it's quite easy to spot signs. But statement analysis, is that to do with the actual words, like famously, I won't say who their name was, but somebody said something about that woman once. So oh, yeah. is it kind of to do with the words or is it kind of their manner of speech? Absolutely. Well, it can be, it can be their manner of speech. And, and for instance, are they talking fast or are they talking slow? 
um, which is a verbal indicator. Um, but mainly it is the words that they choose because people choose words and words convey meanings. Um, for instance, in the Alex Murtaugh trial that I just referenced a minute ago, um, when he was on the stand, I think it was, he said, I, I wouldn't kill my, I wouldn't harm my wife or my son or something along those lines. Well, that sounds like a pretty good denial. Yeah. But in fact, it's not really a denial at all because wouldn't is future tense. And we're talking about something that already happened. Do you see the difference? Yeah. Exactly. So it's it's what I call, and I, I kind of have a term for it in my book, I call it truthfully deceptive. Yeah. People because what he's saying is not deceptive, is not is not untruthful. It's not a lie, the way we think of a lie. And people would rather be truthfully deceptive than lie. So what he said isn't isn't necessarily a lie. But it could be a lie because well, if he did harm his son, there's another question. Truly would in the future. Well, well, he's not going to in the future because they're 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 deceased. They're gone. <laughs> right. So he's yeah. never going to harm True. them again. <laughs> yeah. But you know, it's it these these denials sound like strong denials, uh, but they're not. Um, in the quote that you mentioned, the famous quote, "I did not have sexual relations with that woman." We kind of know who said that. Well, did not not using the contraction instead of saying didn't. They say did not because it sounds more emphatic. You see, when when someone yeah. is being deceptive, they feel the need to be more emphatic. So I did not have sexual relations. Well, what's sexual relations? Well, that's a, what I call a personal dictionary. Your definition of sexual relations could be different than mine. Yeah. So what did, what did the president say when, when he had his mea culpa, when he said, okay, that wasn't exact. What did he say? I wasn't completely truthful. Now, is that because is that a lie? Because is it a lie? The fact of the matter is it's not a lie. It's truthfully deceptive. Yeah. Right. Because sexual relations, he said, well, I didn't consider that sexual relations. You True. see? Yes. So it, it comes down to somebody's personal dictionary, what yeah. we call personal dictionary. <laughs> <laughs> so you worked on the Casey Anthony investigation during your time in internal affairs. What was your role yes. in that investigation? One of the witnesses, the, the, the individual, the man who found the remains of Kaylee Anthony uh, made some comments about our agency and previous calls for service that he had made. So that's what came to me in internal affairs to look into those prior calls for service. Well, while I was doing that, I came to uh, I looked at, of course, his statement and his testimony. And uh, it, it was pretty obvious to me that he was being uh, less than truthful with the criminal investigators, with the guys that were doing the criminal case. And I wasn't doing the criminal case. I was doing an internal and uh, that's not what I was doing, but I couldn't ignore it because I can see it. It's right there. So I went up and I talked to the criminal investigators, of course, guys that I know and I've known for a long time. And luckily, they've been in my classes before. So they, I kind of have a certain amount of credibility with them. Yeah. And uh, I asked them, I said, well, what do you think of his credibility? And they said, well, we think he's credible. And I said, well, I don't think he's being completely honest with you. And it was a case of being truthfully deceptive. And it was it was the words that he used and uh, the written statement as well that there was no doubt in my mind that he wasn't being completely truthful. What happened was he claimed to have discovered the remains on December 11th, but in reality, he discovered the remains on August 11th of the same year. So four months prior is when he discovered the remains, which if you're working a homicide investigation, this is a crucial detail because the person that finds your, your remains, the, that finds the body is what we call a crucial witness in that case. They're a very important witness. So you want that person to have credibility. So um, they had to bring him back in and 
and I, you know, because they had to re-interview him, and uh, he wind up admitting it. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> and that's where the interview and interrogation skills come in. So that's how these skills work hand in hand. So I'm I'm sort of starting I'm sort of starting on third base, <laughs> if you will, <laughs> because I already have a really good idea that you're being deceptive. So now I'm already on base, and, and I'm just trying to bring it home. If if you don't know, you're literally I always say you're kind of at the plate hoping to get a hit. When you've been interrogating people, what's been the most outrageous lie somebody's told that they thought they could have got away with, but you've seen right through it? <laughs> there's always there's always a lot of them. But yeah. I was investigating a double homicide, and uh, this suspect came in, and we we had cell phone records that we uh, that we showed him, and at this time, cell phone records were pretty were pretty new, and uh, that show him a long way from where his home was, and in the area where the homicides were committed. And he makes up this story. He 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 actually does nothing for probably a, about two or three minutes because he has to process this information because he, he didn't expect that. So he has to see how he's going to try to deal with this now. So it, he's, he's behind the curve, if you will. So now he's got he's to process the information and think about how he can respond to it. So he makes up this story where um, he puts like seven people in a small car that make this trip up there uh, to, to this area that's 20 miles away from where he lives. And when I called him on it, um, when he finished the story and I said, wait a minute. So there were seven people in this car which was a small car. It was like a Ford Focus or something. And he hadn't thought of that detail, you see. <laughs> so <laughs> he kind of stopped him in his tracks. He's like, oh, my God. Oh, well, the other guy, you know, two guys jumped out of the car. You know, I'm like, okay. And then, of course, the jury didn't The jury didn't um, uh, believe him either. And he was later <laughs> convicted uh, of, the, of the homicides. Can you prove a crime based purely on somebody's body language and evidence that suggests they are lying? Well, no, you, that's where the interview and interrogation skills come in. I always tell my students, that this is probably not going to be stuff that you write down in your charging affidavits or your your um, your reports. In other words, well, the person leaned into me, so I knew he was being honest, or the person leaned back, so I knew they were being deceptive, um, <laughs> or they didn't use their contraction, right? So, no, this isn't going to be. This stuff is 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 going to give you inside knowledge of whether this person is being truthful or deceptive. And now you use your interview and interrogation skills to further to to ferret out the truth, and that's what they're for. Now, do you point this out to the person? Well, I don't tell people yes or no. If you think it's going to help you, then go ahead. But if you point it out, let's say, for instance, somebody's body language, you are going to give them the heads up that you're paying attention to their body language. Yeah. So just know that you're giving that up. Now, I do play an interrogation that I did where I pointed out the person's body language to them. And I did it with a purpose because I wanted that person to think, holy cow, this guy even knows what I'm thinking. And now I'm kind of in his head. And and I was. And I, so I knew that's what I was doing. And five minutes later, he confessed. Wow. Yeah. I mean, he was he was doing a, he was he was doing a thousand yard stare in our in our interview. He was staring off into a ceiling. And I knew what he was doing. He was mentally leaving the interview. He's mentally leaving the interview. He's thinking, I wish I was anywhere but here. And I wish me, I was anywhere but there. <laughs> and so, so I pointed it out to him. I said, I know what you're doing. I said, you're leaving the interview, but I need you to come back. Yeah. So I know what now he's thinking, holy cow, this guy even knows what I'm thinking. <laughs> and that's exactly what I wanted them to think. So is there a risk when you're doing that, making them aware of the fact that you're aware of their yes. body language, that 
they become uncomfortable and then it ends up looking like they're portraying the body language of a liar when actually they're completely innocent. Well, and no, and it hasn't backfired on me, um, but it's not it's not the norm that I would point it out. So that was just one interrogation where I happened to point it out, but it's not the norm. Um, I, that's why I don't tell investigators, yes, do it or don't do it. Um, if you think it's going to help you in an interrogation, then go ahead and do it. But understand you're kind of tipping your hand um, if you are paying attention because now they're going to be more aware of their body language. Um, and Because most people are not. They're not conscious of their body language. They're too worried about what they're going to tell you verbally and choosing their words. So really their body language is not something that they, they tend to control. And that's why, you know, I look at people, whether they're politicians or they're celebrities or they're crime suspects. Uh, and it works. It's effective. It's very, very effective and reliable. I don't know if you have kids, but you might be an annoying parent to have because <laughs> you ask your child, have you done your homework or have you cleaned your room? And they'd be like, yes. And you'd know immediately, no, you haven't. Well, I always tell people, look, don't, don't, I don't go up to people like, you know, friends or family and, and usually make comments. Now, sometimes yeah. I do, but usually it's in a very private, you know, sort of setting. Um, but I don't go up to people and go, Hey, I know this. Um, <laughs> like for instance, with their, even their handwriting, which there's a lot of, you can tell about somebody's personality through their handwriting. And I don't, I don't go up and do that. I said, I don't try to lose friends. I don't have that many as it is. So I don't want to lose the ones that I have. <laughs> so I, I don't go up and do that normally. Now, yeah, my kids, it's funny because my son is is also a law enforcement officer. And so uh, and he's been in my classes. So, yeah, we've kind of had some fun with that. But yeah, it's my, my and my daughter loves studying this stuff. She's still in college um, and hopefully she's not going into law enforcement, but uh, <laughs> she's she loves she, she really enjoys. In fact, she wrote a paper um, on body language, on kinesics and did very well with it. Well, well, where are we able to find this book? Uncover the truth, unlocking the skills of body language and statement analysis. Well, thank you. The book is on um, Amazon and it's uh, it's, of course, on Kindle as well. Um, we just put it on um audible so there's there's many different ways to to uh, access the book to and to get the book some people like it on a device like kindle some people i know my son is one of them that loves the audible uh he's hooked on audible he listens to audible when he's in the car and on a drive uh i'm old school and i like to have book yeah but anyway you'd like to uh, to get it it's on amazon uh in any of those forms formats yeah i'm with you it's good to have that physical book and it's easier to pay attention than if it's on a screen i find anyway that's just that's that's me and i'm, <laughs> I'm old school i guess but I, I like to have the book uh and i'll make notes and you know and i'll read sections over like a few times because i'm, I'm the world's slowest reader my wife reads really fast i'm the world's slowest reader um but i read to learn and and i'll read a section over like a, a one or two times uh, you know just to get make sure that i understand it and i think you were telling the truth there many thanks for <laughs> talking to us today it's been great having well, thank you, on. you thank you very much toby i appreciate it have a great night The throbbing pulse of sound, the Toby Gribben Show.